1: Report Podcast this is episode three. Uh, I'm your co-host Michael Broadbent. Joining us as always is the publisher of the Night Report on rivals.com, Richie Schneiderite. Right? Richie, uh, man. Uh, Rough
2: Saturday. <laughs> I don't know what else to say there. You kind of uh, put all my words into one. It was uh, it was brutal. I mean, 21 or 24 point first quarter, 21 point second quarter, and then they kind of laid off the gas. But uh that Ohio State team kind of figured it out, it seems.
1: Yeah. And they, they called up the dogs early too. Cause I think Trevion Henderson might have played like a quarter. Like they brought in master Teague pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like that game was literally over before I even got in the stadium. Like Rutgers, they have a nightmare that they need to figure out with the whole bus system and the whole ticketing system. But I think by the time a lot of fans got into the stadium, the game was basically over and the, the excitement and the electricity that I think we were all hoping for just kind of never really was there outside of that Crookshank touchdown.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Actually. Um, The whole ticket scanning thing seems like there was not just you, but I guess the thousands of people and outside the stadium, because it didn't really fill up until I guess midway through the first, I would say around a 10 minute mark, nine minute mark. Yeah. uh, That was interesting.
1: I'd never parked in the yellow lot before. Never going to do it again, by the way. Um, (laughs) The the parking, the the actual bus situation, there's like everybody gets picked up right at the rack, and mm-hmm. there's this massive line that accumulates that goes through the entire parking lot. Mm-hmm. We left at the tailgate for like 245, got in line a couple minutes later, and we didn't actually get on the bus until like almost 330. So we got into the stadium, then those massive lines. I don't think we got into the stadium until four. So yeah, the, the game wow. was basically over. Um so yeah, lesson learned.
2: Yeah. Park at right.
1: one of the uh, the lots around the stadium. Don't park yeah. at the yellow lot.
2: Yeah, Well, yeah, yellow is the one next to the stadium, right? What's the rack? Is the rack green or something? <clears throat> I thought that it said yellow. Uh, I might yeah, be wrong. It, that it might change. be. I, I yeah. know yellow and scarlet are like the ones right next to the stadium. Yellow is like next to that student center or whatever it is.
1: Okay, I, I might be wrong. I saw yellow marked in the rack lot. That
2: might be like for like basketball purposes. that's oh, yeah. the rack lot, whatever
1: that is. That's the one I was at. You
2: know, but uh, <laughs> anyway, back to back to this game. Yeah, uh absolutely brutal. So I mean, um you didn't see, I guess, the first fake punt on the first drive. Kind of weird.
1: No, I, I rewatched the game afterwards, and I mean, with most of our trick plays this year, it just looks like they were poorly executed more than anything.
2: Yeah, I. I'd don't understand going for the trick play and on your first drive in your own territory it was very questionable and then um to no surprise travion henderson was bound to break one and so be it he broke a 44 yard carry for a touchdown on what was it play four play three or whatever it was
1: yeah something like that
2: i play <laughs> oh actually i didn't play two. i lied um absolutely they, the guy's incredible i think arguably the top back in the country but uh as a true yeah, freshman, Ale- crazy to say.
1: Alex was giving him some sky high praise, and I was a little taken aback by that. But after seeing him play against us, and then seeing some of his other highlights from earlier in the season, I, I think it's kind of warranted.
2: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. He is phenomenal. Um, the fact that he's a true freshman scares me even more. Is that you're gonna have to see this guy two more times at least?
1: Yeah, no, definitely not looking forward to that. I'm sure the team isn't either. Um, this is a measuring stick game, and we are. Still pretty far behind uh, the top team in the conference, which really shouldn't be a surprise. I just think there was just so much Kool-Aid getting passed around at the picnic mm-hmm. that uh, I think some of us might have been. I'm speaking for myself here. I was I was a little bit more uh, ambitious, I guess, with where the team was than where they actually were.
2: Um, yeah, at the end of the day, um, Ohio State still has the talent um there's a huge talent gap between Rutgers Ohio State and um I guess that that's why the Michigan game was a little bit closer I shouldn't say Michigan doesn't have talent but the way they play like a ground and pound game, it it would be a close game regardless with that one this one they just they let CJ Stroud kind of air it out after uh after that first touchdown from Travion and he, he ended up throwing for 330 yards five touchdowns like they have a very very good team their offense was never the issue it was always their defense, but it seems like they kind of started to figure that one out, too. They got a couple – I think they had a sack and a couple of QB hurries on, on Vedral, and um, they, they forced him to throw the ball, and he took deep shots. They weren't pretty deep shots. He threw an interception, I think, on the second drive, third drive, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, actually, I think – yeah, yeah it was a
1: pick six. That was their second score.
2: Yep, and that was, uh, that was a quick one. That actually ended up where Bo got hurt in the first place uh he
1: tried tried tried, to make that tackle
2: yeah he tried to make a tackle on like the goal line and I saw I saw it too me and Cratch were talking about it in practice earlier this week and he just he got clobbered by one of the Ohio State uh I guess I don't know if it was a linebacker or DB um absolutely clobbered and that's where he kind of hurt his shoulder in the first part and then uh obviously took a deep shot on him not too long after that and uh he it looks like he just fell on it uh we were we were yeah yeah. coming back to it like I know Chris and I were on the sideline watching it, and it looked like – it kind of looked like he separated his shoulder, but I can't say for certain. That's my best guess what the injury is. I think he might have separated on the first play. They put it back in, they're like, all right, how do you feel? And he probably said, hey, I'm good to go, coach, blah, blah, blah. Put me in. Put him in, gets hurt again, and then they're like, all right, screw this. Like, we're already down whatever it was. Take Take him out. Like, he's done for the game. So I think – I'm kind of optimistic he plays this week. But uh, other than that, I think the team rather healthy coming out of this game.
1: Yeah, it seems to be that way, um, which is great because there's nothing more pointless than, like you said, having a guy miss big chunks of the season in a game that's already out of hand. Um, yeah. So the staff is probably smart for taking them out there. But yeah, there's we were completely and totally outmatched and it's it's Honestly, it could have been a lot worse had Ohio State wanted to run up the score sort of like Michigan did at the 78 nothing game a few years ago.
2: Um, yeah, most but, definitely. It, it could have got really, really ugly. But they they did hold back a little bit, which it seemed like. Um, you you got to respect Ryan Day a little bit for that because he probably could have kept running that ball down Rutgers defense all day long pretty much. Oh, yeah? Yeah, not yeah. not a pretty game overall. It is what it is. You just got to kind of move on and put it uh, put it behind you.
1: Yeah, but it seems like regardless of the score, we had a big recruiting uh, turnout at the game and it seems like the, 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 res- the results didn't really matter. It seems like everybody had a pretty awesome time and had glowing things to say. And that's probably partially because of the staff prepared them for what the game might have been like. Yeah. Uh, what is your uh, take on the recruits at the game and what the reactions were and maybe some some individual players that you might have been surprised at the reaction
2: I mean, I think number one that thing that has to be said is like you guys gotta stop overreacting and thinking one game's gonna change a recruit's mind. I know it was ugly, it was a blowout, but at the end of the day, Rutgers showed they had a pretty good atmosphere. Students showed up, uh, fans in general showed up, even though mind you, some of them showed up late. Um, certain people in here maybe. <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah, hey, I mean, I, I blame Rutgers buses for that one. But uh yeah, it was um overall it was a it was a good day. So I mean, they they're not gonna beat Ohio State I don't know if they're ever gonna beat Ohio State at this point Ohio State's talent is so unmatched it's incredible um but at the end of the day recruits came away pretty happy they got to see all the facilities got to hang out with each other hang out with uh, most of the commits if not all the commits I know DJ Allen came in from Indiana Kobe came in from Kobe Asamoah came in from uh Ohio it was just an overall like very good game a very good atmosphere the guys loved it um, some surprises to me was, uh, Chase Basantis He was actually talking about Rutgers very in depth. Uh, I do think Rutgers is going to struggle when it comes to his commitment date, just because Ohio state's pretty heavy on him right now. Notre Dame's pretty heavy on him, And I, I could see him going to like a Notre Dame type school. Um, what's his but,
1: date that he's planning to commit? Is that before? Uh, I don't season? think he
2: has one currently. I think he's just okay. kind of letting it ride out. Uh, normally like the, high four borderline five stars like himself are probably going to wait until I want to say probably at least next year like middle to maybe next season even just for the sole fact that uh he hasn't visited anywhere really yet he visited Bama in the summer he visited Maryland in the summer and Ohio State in the summer but in during game day visits he's only since Bosco kind of plays a lot of Saturday games he's only been able to visit Rutgers for a game day so far
1: just huge actually for Rutgers because if he's not seeing these whiteout experiences or going to Notre Dame for, you know, a huge game, that, that's, that's pretty nice for us.
2: Yeah. So now that that makes me tend to think that he's probably going to take a couple of officials in spring and then uh probably go from there. Nothing is set in stone on official visits. I think he said he wanted to decide either before his senior year or during his senior year. So it's he's still got a long, long way to go, but Rutgers, Rutgers has a, put themselves in a pretty good position here. If they if, uh, he does decide he wants to stay close to home, I think they have a shot. That's
1: great to hear. Um, not so great to hear, though, is uh, we had a decommit this week from Davison Igbenusen. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Brother of Desmond, who's on the team. That one kind of came out of left field for a lot of people on the board. But uh, based on what you said, it doesn't necessarily shock you that he decommitted. Uh, you want to just talk about his decommit a little bit?
2: Um, I, I said that for the sole fact that he even like up to the minute he committed that Rutgers, he was still getting texts from Ole Miss and still getting texts from uh, coaches down there. I know Pitt's been after him for a while. Tennessee's been after him, uh, Virginia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, he is going to take some visits. Um, I think the decommitment kind of comes from the sole fact that he didn't want to be a committed prospect and take visits. And that's like a big no-no in Greg Shiano's, uh recruiting it's one of his philosophies, like if, like JoJo Bermudez earlier this year, he took a visit to – where was it? He took a visit to Georgia. He took a visit to Penn yep. State and ended up kind of like a mutual agreement. Like, all right, that's it. You're done. No more visits. And then he ended up taking that Georgia one, and it was like, all right, mutual agreement. We're done. Both of us are done. You go your way. We go our way. So now it's the same theory, same thing in theory a little bit, just because Igbenosin is going to want to take visits. I actually heard he's already got one set up for Pittsburgh in a couple weeks. Oh Wow. Um, yeah. So it's Pitt, a little surprising. It.
1: it seemed like his allure was more so like the, the football factories and pits just kind of like a lateral step to Rutgers, if anything.
2: Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one because Narduzzi is a, at the end of the day, I know people don't want to hear it. Narduzzi is a hell of a recruiter. He, he knows how to get guys on campus. He he could arguably the minute he pushes you on campus, he could arguably make you commit on the spot. He's very good with that type of stuff. Um, he's a good closer. I'm intrigued to see what happens after that one. Uh, I do think he's going to get back down to Ole Miss soon. They have such a New Jersey contingent down there between Tywan Malone's down there, uh, former Rutgers assistant Marquise Watson's down there as assistant D-line coach. Uh, obviously Chris Partridge is are one of, if not the better recruiters throughout the SEC, or at least for New Jersey in terms of New Jersey, he can pretty much recruit anyone from the state down there. Uh it's going to be really interesting to see where this ends up. I know Rutgers is probably going to stay in, stay in it until the end, just for the sole fact that he's a Jersey guy, arguably the top corner, top defensive back in the state at this point. And uh, I, I don't know how it's going to, how this one's going to end, but I, I do think Ole Miss probably has the upper hand at the moment, just because he was so close to committing to them early in June when he committed to Rutgers. So it, it's going to be an interesting one to watch.
1: Yeah, so in terms of thinking about how we're going to fill those scholarship spots, it seems like there's there's not like a, an emphasis by the staff to continue offering plan B high school kids. Do you think they, they hold on to those scholars and use them in the portal, or do you think they're fine with just kind of taking the cream of the crop kind of guys for this class?
2: I, I think obviously you keep pursuing like the top New Jersey guys, you keep pursuing Ig- Benison. You keep pursuing the Jaden Bellamys of the world. Who we actually confirmed the other day. That's going to be in the war room tomorrow. Um, they did. They're still reaching out to Bellamy. I, Interesting. I would, even, I would even pursue like a Jaden Gould type, just for the sole fact that yeah, he might be a linebacker at the next level because he's probably going to grow into it. But he, the sole fact that USC still doesn't have a coach. So I mean, you could probably ideally try to flip him. Not every kid wants to go across the country for college. Maybe he yeah. changes mind. I can't say for certain on that one. But uh, I think you keep pushing those three guys. And then um, on top of that, they did host a uh, – they, they got Tom Simakwa recently. They, they're mm-hmm. still targeting Zylan Williams out of DeMathic Catholic in Maryland, who I think if, if he had a junior season, this kid would have had a lot more than the eight or nine offers, whatever he has now he would have blew up in my opinion. And I, I think he's criminally underrated. I've been pushing for him to get a higher ranking for the past six months. At this <laughs> point, uh, Very, very talented prospect. Um, other than him, they did host a, uh, they hosted a Marshall athlete commit this weekend, this past weekend. I noticed that. Yeah. And Antonio Robinson, I, they, they want him as a wide receiver. So I guess this one's kind of out of the, out of the talking points, but he can play DB too. I know Penn state's kind of, talking to them a little bit about playing defensive back for them, maybe. After that, they also hosted uh, a former, I think, UTSA commit in Naj, Nahami, Nahamani, I can't say it, dude. (laughs) Nahamani Harris, I think it is. He's a tall, lengthy corner, committed to UTSA over a year ago. Um, Decommitted, reclassed, went to prep up in Connecticut, took a visit very high on the campus he looked like he was probably heading to charlotte original originally but now things are starting to change a little bit he's starting to draw a little more interest based on his tape coming out he's he's intriguing to me because he's really quick and it could be a guy that uh that could fill that egbenison role i mean he's not going to be as good obviously Mm -hmm. but it's it's just a you could fill it with another name he's not the worst he's fast you can't really teach speed you could probably teach the rest of the cornerback skills but those are just a couple of names off the top of my head. Um, there's going to be transfer portal guys. I'm sure whether sure. they do add another <laughs> high school guy or not, they're still going to probably pursue a transfer DB. Uh, I like, I like their safeties. I like their young safeties right now. I still think Christian is I believe he has another year.
1: Yeah. I think he's a junior.
2: Yeah. So you have him back there. You have Elijah Clark who's starting to step up a little bit and see more and more time at, uh, at what do you call it at, uh, backup safety. And even at, uh, came to talk even on special teams I think he's played in all five games on special teams and that's like the, the big thing Greg always does when it comes to specials
1: yep. Um,
2: other than that I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they go with this DB class like I said you're still pursuing like the Bellamy's of the world and stuff
1: sure and plus I think Rutgers is a lot more desirable of a landing spot for transfers than they were a year ago like we were kind of like battling with a lot of similar level teams to us like maryland pitt michigan state for for transfers and we were losing a lot of those battles i don't think that's going to be the case given the steps the strides we've shown this season i think we'll be much more in the market for these guys because we could offer playing time we're not a dumpster fire anymore even though coaches probably were recruiting against us in that way so yeah i think i think we're going to be a more desirable spot for sure
2: yeah, no, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, they definitely um, between uh, we didn't even talk about the Amari Evans' news kind of hurt a little bit too. Him going to Penn. State, oh yeah, that's another one. That, uh, yep, it's a tough loss, but that leads me back to the Marshall commit who visited. So they kind of knew already where Evans was kind of leaning, and they're they're hosting commits of like smaller schools, but uh, it's it's going to be tough to replace these guys.
1: For sure. Um, but it's not all bad news with recruiting at Rutgers. We did get a big wrestling commit in PJ Casal, we got a basketball commit in Antoine Wolfork too. Um, so Wolfork, you've kind of been uh, referencing on the boards that that was probably going to happen, but the PJ Casal commitment kind of seemed like it came more out of nowhere. Do you, you want to just give a little bit of a, a little bit of color to those two commitments?
2: Um, yeah, Wolfork's intriguing just because we we actually have them ranked. At, well, we haven't ranked them both now, but. Uh, rivals has him ranked as a three-star tight end and i'm sitting there i'm like mm-hmm. who the heck? I, I actually got a text from a, a high school uh, recruit and he's like hey man Rutgers is looking at this football player like i want to say two months ago and i'm like what football like, <laughs> like yeah like who, who the hell is Greg Schiano looking at? this class is like pretty much filled and he's like no 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 pico loves this this guy loves this tight end i'm like what the what are you reading this <laughs> right are you typing this correctly And then uh, I was looking and he goes, uh, Yeah, Wolf or something like that. And I'm like, Wolf, who the hell is Wolf? I'm trying to find in the database going up and down like every search history I've ever had. And all of a sudden I'm like, I I got a text. He goes, No, no, Wolf Fork. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I looked him up. I'm like, This kid has no film. How the hell? Like, who is this kid? And then all of a sudden, that's, that's Pike's
1: mo, man. He's he gets down and dirty and looks as hard as he can throughout the country for the best players, and I commend him for it. Yeah,
2: no, I I'm actually somewhat like I shouldn't even say somewhat. I'm very impressed by this one just because I finally found film on him, and we actually uploaded it the other day to our YouTube, courtesy of uh, one of those like random hoop sites that uh like oh, it just films like random games and stuff like that. They sent oh. it over to me, and they're like, hey, go ahead, post it, whatever. I started watching them, like, oh my god, this kid's kick can move, like, around the rim. Like, he's not, he's not one of the bigger centers. He's not like a Cliff who's, like, 6'10", 6'11". He's not mm. like Miles Johnson, who's same height, probably 6'11", 7 foot. He's more of, like, the E.J. Liddell types. He has a nice little soft touch around the rim. His footwork is, like, phenomenal. He knows how to move very well. And I think that's kind of part of what he learned in football a little bit helps him there. Sure. But uh, based on what his AAU coach was telling me, he went to Peach Jam, and Pike saw him at Peach Jam, and um, that's like one of the biggest AAU uh, events around the country. If you guys don't know that, yeah, that's he,
1: right outside he, Atlanta, right?
2: Yeah, he saw him at yeah. Peach Jam, and he was just like dominating, like a top five hundred prospect at a center guy. And then all of a sudden, Pike's like, "Oh shit!" Like,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. So oh, he awesome. offered him, and then uh, he kind of like just came on a little bit, uh, a little bit later. Came on a visit, I think, what three weeks ago at this point, four weeks ago maybe. And something like that. Everything I've heard is uh, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. He uh, loves the sport of basketball. He's still learning. I don't know how he'll do right away, but the good news is is that you more than likely, knock on wood, have quit for another whole year. let hope so, so. At the very least, another whole year, I would think. And he'll be going behind him. He'll learn. He'll um, try to get better. But he's he's a very bulky big man. He's like 6'8", 250 something like that. And he, he's he's an intriguing player. I mean. He doesn't have offers, of course, but that's that's the one concerning part because you think if he did dominate Peach Jam the way his coach is talking about it, you think he'd have a couple more. But uh, he he credits Rutgers quite a bit, compares him to like Dwan Blair. if you remember him at Pitt?
1: Yeah, Pitt. Yep, back yeah, in I'm the a early 2000s a Big
2: man and could kind of fit that role. Nice little touch around the basket, and I'm I'm intrigued. I I don't think this is the uh, the worst like uh, prospect in the world by any by any sense of the word.
1: And I mean, I think the way that Pike recruits, he just likes to have one guy that's a developmental prospect each class at least. And this feels like that guy, at this class.
2: Yeah, he, he's underrated radar guys. I think uh, Derek Simpson, when all is said and done, would probably. We only go to 150 for hoops. When uh-huh. when, when all is said and done, I, I do think Derek Simpson could be like a top 250 kid. Um, Braden Moore is awesome. very good too. Like, I, he's very underrated. I love
1: Braden Moore. He's a sharpshooter. He's got size length. Like, I don't know what his defense is like, but if you got a guy who's six, eight with some bulk and can shoot lights out, I mean, you've got me sold.
2: Oh, no, he's, he's super lengthy too. Um, and that's going to help with his defense. Uh, of course, Pike loves that when it comes to, yep. uh, just about any forward type. Uh, he could dribble, he could shoot, he could score. He had offers from some, some really big programs. Like,
1: hey, didn't he get like a Kansas
2: offer, like yeah, at some point? Later at career one career, point, right? um, Georgetown. I'm trying to look now. Memphis, Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn. End of the day, it was Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska. And this is like a typical guy Nebraska would get, and people would be like, "All right, whatever, move on." And then he yep. turned into like a serious player in like year two or year three. So th- this is a pretty big get by Rutgers too. They're they're gonna have a good recruiting class. I don't I don't know it's not gonna be ranked in like what the top fifteen, top twenty five, or whatever it is. But overall, it's a really good class. I'm impressed by uh, Pike.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it. And just a, a quick note on Casal. Uh, you know, he was a previous he was previously committed to Lehigh, and then uh, that was in I think July that he decommitted, and he committed recently to uh, Rutgers. How big of a level recruit is this guy?
2: Um, yeah, this is a top three, top five, um, heavyweight recruit technically, but I was actually told by Lex yesterday that he's, um, he's going to be a one ninety seven for Rutgers. So he's going to fill that role pretty well. They have, uh, him, Soldano, who are two studs on recruiting, um, two studs at the high school level, I should say, uh, the good, the really, really good news about this is PJ Casao is very buddy, buddy with heavyweight, Jimmy Mullen, who is, uh, are also one of the top football prospects in the state next year. I think we have him ranked like 13 or 14 for football. Okay. But he's easily like the number 1 recruit in the country in terms of wrestling. Is, is
1: does he have a uh, an offer from Rutgers uh, for football?
2: Yes, he does have okay. one for football, but I'm not sure how serious it is. I know like it's it's going to be interesting because if you can land a kid like Jimmy Moen who's going to be a heavyweight, you you'd have him, you'd have Hamilton who's going to come over from football. You're going to have Soldano, who's I think 160 something, 170 something maybe. Oh. And then on top of that, Casal, who's 190. Uh, okay. Soldano is 195 right now. Casal would be 197. I'm sure they'll figure out something there. And then uh, if you could get Mullen, I mean, this would be a hell of a haul for Rutgers if they could pull this one off.
1: Yeah. And it seems like they're stacking the upper weights in terms of the high level recruits, which is always kind of, or not always, but it, recently it's been our our Achilles heel, those upper weights. And Seems like we're just stacking high-level recruits from Keontae Hamilton to Saldano to Castell, like you're saying. Hopefully, we get Mullins. Like that's actually that's that could be like a top half, top third of the the Big Ten um, level upper weight. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, it would be actually incredible. Um, this this team, I, I think I said it before on the pod. Uh, this might be their best year ever too. I I really think that they might place pretty high. They got a bunch of dudes this year, and now it just it's not going to stop. It doesn't look like with the recruiting classes being the way they are. It's just, it's just going to influx of talent every single year. And this could be a pretty big Rutgers program for the next, I want to say at least three to four years.
1: For sure. Uh, So we have a special guest for this pod. Uh, You guys may know him as the former Michigan state and Rutgers quarterback, Dom Natale. Dom, thanks for joining us. How's, how's everything been for you recently?
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Um, I was, uh, I was nervous how that introduction was going to go, but uh, appreciate that. That's simple. Uh, yeah, everything's been good. Going well. Can't complain. How have you guys been?
1: Doing great. Uh, what's, how's, what's your path been like since you graduated from Rutgers?
0: Uh, a lot less cool. Um, you know, I just, I sort of, I went straight to um, grad school. Um, you know, I thought about coaching for a little bit. Um, really enjoyed sort of doing that during my injury year. Um, and effectively, you know, towards the end of my senior year with Tom. Uh, And then once it was time to move on, it was time to move on. So went straight through to grad school um, and then been working in kind of finance ever since then.
1: Great. We really wanted to have you on for obvious reasons. You have a pretty unique perspective on this matchup. Uh, You started off your career at Michigan State, transferred to Rutgers. Tell us a little bit about your recruitment out of high school and your time at Michigan State, what ultimately led you back to Rutgers.
0: Yeah. Um, it was, you know, the recruiting process was kind of nuts. Um, you know, when you're that age and you're going through that, I think it's hard to keep a real level head about it. But I mean, I was at the time looking for coaches that I could play all four years with. Um, I thought consistency was going to be important to my success. Uh, I think I did the opposite of that, uh, (laughs) as it turned out, but, um, you know, Michigan state, the decision for me really at the end of the day, that was the coaching staff, um, and the school and a few other things. And I thought, where the program was, I really liked, like I liked building things and kind of not being an underdog, but you know, being there, not exactly at the top, um, coaching us, our quarterback coach at the time, the offensive coaches um, all went on to have a ton of success. And I thought we was a great staff and were uh, to this day. Um, and so, yeah, ended up there, um, really liked it, enjoyed my time. Um, some of the offensive coaches left after my freshman year, um, and you know had some family things going on and at the end of the day uh, as the tide was kind of changing that was the year coach Smith was like kind of on the chopping block too um, and so it just sort of started we didn't have the transfer portal and stuff uh, back then and so you kind of had to do things a little bit backwards but um, Rutgers was definitely up there uh, along with Missouri and I think it was like LSU and Stanford um, at the end of the day and so ended up kind of reconnected with coach uh, through the appropriate channels and stuff and decided to come back home to, to Jersey at the end of the day.
1: You've had so, some loaded QB rooms in Michigan State too. Who, who was there when you were there?
0: Yeah, it was, um, coach used to always say if he played there well on Saturdays, he played on Sundays. And so, <laughs> um, and it turned out to be true. I mean, our, so that quarterback room was, was Drew Stanton who I think, you know, I tried to emulate the way I kind of went to work every day. Uh, after watching how he approached the game and, and just kind of everything from wife to to the quarterback room to academics, whatever it was, um, Hoyer was in that room with us who still plays in the league. Wow. Um, uh, Kirk Cousins was there a couple months after I left. Uh, Nick Fole was there with him a couple of months later. Um, and I think I'm missing someone, but yeah, it was a stacked room.
1: That's insane.
0: So down about five page. guys that are still on rosters.
2: So down turning the page to the the Rutgers part of your career. Um, have you, you still keep up with those guys at all? Are you the coaches, players, anything like that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I'm like a, a pretty poor sports fan uh, as that goes, and so I definitely am not. You know, uh, I don't go back every weekend and I, I just, I, I love the game, but at the same time I had a lot of other interests and things. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've got, you know, there were three guys in my wedding that were teammates. Um, so people that I've stayed in touch with and I will for, you know, hopefully the rest of my years. And then, mm-hmm. um, on the coaching staff, like definitely, you know, I shot coaches a note when he came back, um, and sort of had a quick exchange with him and I've kept in touch with him over the years, mm-hmm. um coach McNulty a little bit as well um and a few other guys and JB and coach Susan you know I was on his his Bucknell uh, inspirational email distro for the past whatever years which always <laughs> helped uh, he's an incredible guy he he recruited me in particular uh at a high school and so we always sort of had a connection there um so yeah, definitely still, still keep in touch. Scott Walker, who runs like the academic program, I think does a great job there and has been consistent through all the different coaches over the years and, and different folks on campus that I, I keep in touch with.
2: Mm-hmm. So I know you were with the program for a couple of years. You got to have one crazy good Chiano story for us.
0: <laughs> I actually, I did some homework and listened to your first two podcasts. Uh, awesome. so I thought that was coming down the pipe. Uh, I cheated <laughs> a little bit there, um, but uh yeah, I mean, look, the ones I can share here. uh, oh, on, yeah, we don't want to get in trouble, so right? Like give us a yeah, board. Exactly we don't need to go launching uh, any any investigations. But no, um, <laughs> the so this one's like public enough, right? They they were talking about on the Michigan broadcast. But coach took that Michigan job, technically back. I think it was like my sophomore year, the year I transferred. Um, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm part of here. I'm deaf in my right ear, and so. Uh, I'm like a redshirt freshman. subsidiary so of at the, the back of the meeting room because we sat kind of in a hierarchical order and he comes in and all emotionally called this like five o'clock in the morning meeting or whatever the heck time it was. And he starts walking us through his thought process and he's got like a blue and gold jacket on it. was a state trooper jacket, um, which like was a terrible outfit choice. Uh, but <laughs> Given the, the conversation that was going on and he, he walked us through his thought process. So like he told us that he had taken the job and that then he had slept on it. And I like, I think I just shut off after he told us he took it because I thought this meeting was him telling us he took it. I just transferred back. A big part of that was him, uh, and so and there's like now another coaching staff coming down the pipe, and so I, I just like was sitting in my own head, pissed off for the rest of the conversation. We walk out and like my roommate at the time was like, "Hey man, like what's wrong with you?" I was like, oh, "I can't fucking believe this." You know, sorry, I'm not. I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this. but. No, you're good to uh, yeah, go. Go for it. Makes yeah, it better, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, you know, this fucking shit like i just came back i gotta sit out a year now who else is gonna coach It's like this is exactly what i didn't want to deal with and he's like dude did you not listen to the end of that and was <laughs> like, he brought it full circle like stay and i was like oh you know so that was like a big uh i mean i was a bit of a dope but yeah so that was kind of my i think that's my uh shareable shit on this story so how how screwed
2: were you for not listening to anything that happened in that meeting <laughs> what's that how screwed were you for not listening to a single thing in that meeting
0: Oh, I mean, I, you know, I literally was like the worst five minutes I've ever had. And then uh, <laughs> I was like sweating bullets and then got in the car. Literally, we were driving back to our apartment. It was like 6.30 in the morning. And I was also half awake to my credit. But um, yeah, I, I just, I learned to listen to everything he says in the meetings after that.
1: <laughs> so he gave a very emotional, I'm not leaving from Wolf of Ball Street, just flew right over.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just, I <laughs> missed the whole point of it. Just shut off just
1: uh, get me there nah, I mean I understand that especially given your what you were uh, probably going through at the time um, kind of take you back to your high school years a little bit more you went to the hunt school uh, over the years Rutgers had a really hard time recruiting schools like the Hunt school Blair Petty uh, is there like could you give us a little insight maybe why Rutgers struggles to recruit from those schools because they produce a lot of high-end athletes it's just Rutgers seems to fall on deaf ears there yeah I think
0: You know, my immediate reaction to that is like you get a lot of those kids are the PGs. I think especially like when we were at HUN, it wasn't those schools weren't what they are today. Like and again, I don't follow it that close, but I HUN in particular, I do because I I love that school and I I still go back there and stuff. And my my little sisters all went there. And so, um, you know, as a family, we're ingrained there a bit. But um, now they're pumping out like a few kids a year normally who I think, you know, rose through the program. And then you could actually call it a program to some degree when I was there. It was like the six PGs, a couple of transfers. So like Myron, Roll, myself, uh, and a couple other under, you know, not undergrad, but like uh, regular kids that just went there. Um, and then we would layer on these five kids who had division one offers already half the time. Um, and they all came from like other regions, right? And so when I was there, we had two kids from one was from North Carolina, one was from South Carolina. Uh, we had Junior Jabby, who was like a Jersey kid, uh, went to Notre Dame. Um, and I think just so like the, the lack of connection previously and so, you know, what just made it hard to recruit um, because a lot of those kids had like goals, like, you know, uh, our one friend went back and played at South Carolina. That's where he always wanted to go and play, but they just wouldn't offer him. He was like a light offensive lineman, put on a few pounds, they finally offered him. So we were getting these kids that were like docked there almost, right? Like they would redshirt them at one of those schools. So they, maybe that's it. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Um, that'd be my guess, but. Uh, and gotcha. people tend to focus on like the North Jersey powerhouse crews, right. Of the old, uh, which I think are still the same schools, but
2: yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Probably that. Yeah. So, so sticking with the high school thing, uh, your class, the class of 2005, it's like one of the best New Jersey classes ever. Six first round draft picks. Like who's the best player, I guess you ever played against in high school.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it was a, it was a heck of a crew. Uh, if we could have all stayed, there was like a, there was an awesome meeting i remember at one point we were maybe our junior year um there's before Cushing committed and like we all went and sat with coach and there was like six of us around the table and i think it was literally those dudes that you're talking about um mm-hmm. and we were like you know he was like you guys all came here and this whole you know speech i mean i was pumped afterwards um but i think the best one is i mean it probably had to be cushing at the end of the day especially in high school i mean that guy back then was a could have started at USC, uh, like his gymnasium. Yeah. He was uh, he I was think, a pretty right? legendary
1: recruit, like just given how big he was. Like he was – he looked like he was a bodybuilder, like a professional bodybuilder in high school, like at 16. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He also looked like he was just, you know, wanted to murder everyone. And so <laughs> yeah. walking on the field <laughs> with that guy on the other side of you, like I, I almost went to Bergen. And so I knew him and Coach Stengel like very closely. Uh, and I just – you didn't want to play against those guys. So. Yeah, he, he also did. had like a team around him that was – gave you a hard time it wasn't like you could focus on him
1: yeah they had like michael ray garvin at the time i believe who went to florida state yeah. like they had a ton of talent and they still do have a ton yeah. of talent but i remember them oh, having yeah.
2: like it
0: they're particularly stacked
2: yeah everything. So, year.
1: so you, you have you kept in uh since shiano came back at least have you kept track of how ruckers is doing both like on the field recruiting everything like that
0: yeah, it's definitely reinvigorated sort of my interest. I mean, I would go back every once in a while uh, very topically to the Michigan State games just because, you know, I had a buddy who was like my best man at my wedding, was my roommate my freshman year. We still were best friends. Um, and he would he actually lived in New Jersey for a while, so, like, we would go to those games uh, when they first started playing them. Uh, and it was always a fun game, too. Like, e- even back when I committed to Michigan State, they came and played, I think it was the first game of the year. Uh, yeah, that was 2004. Against- we
1: actually won that game.
0: Right, so I show up like a jerk in a Michigan State hat and t shirt, uh, because you know, I wasn't gonna not rep the team I just uh committed sure. to. And one of the recruiting guys like picks, up, picks us up in the parking lot, drives us over, and he's like, Are you seriously gonna wear that? Like, yeah, <laughs> I kind of have to, man. Uh, like, what do you want me to do? Like, people are booing me, like, and some of the students like knew who you know, all the recruits are sitting there, they were like, Come on, and and sure enough, we sit there and lose the game. And. Uh, I'm family friends with Sean O'Hara. So like we were down in the field with those guys. And I remember somebody came up and was like, we're going to string you up from this. uh, We're going to tie you to the field goalposts (laughs) if we win this game. (laughs) Because I'm down like the Rutgers side line with that stuff on. Coach Susan looked over at me like shaking his head. And so um, that game has always been fun to go to. um, And so, yeah, I I definitely, besides that, I I just didn't go back a lot. um, And as the, the new staff, we didn't really have any, connection to, like I said, like people like Scott Walker and stuff, that have been consistently part of the program in, in adjacent ways. Uh, but uh, yeah, since since he's been back, I have, uh, I think the recruiting, you know, got turned on really quickly which is not surprising, right? Um, and then there's a bunch of guys on the staff that we played with. So, yeah, you know, everybody from like Charlie Noonan to Ty, Ty and I have known each other since sure. high school. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that are back and, and around Mason and I played Pop Warner together, Mason Robinson in Somerville um and so yeah i think i've definitely started paying attention a little bit more and you know i always had the convenience of maybe wearing a ruckers hat or michigan state hat on the weekend depending <laughs> on who uh who's the more favorite team but i've definitely the rucker stuff has come out a little bit more recently
2: yeah so, so tying That's into awesome. that a little bit you, you've played with arguably some of the ruckers best athletes ever um between i'm thinking, thinking mike teal kenny Britt, tim brown et cetera, et cetera. who's the best one you've played with
0: yeah, I was actually, so I was thinking about this, because like, if you, I think at one point, we had like the most, there was a couple of years, we had the most players in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Like all kinds of these stats, right? And we honestly were more talented at, at Michigan State, I'll flat out say, than probably any of my four years at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was insane, the, the dudes we had on those teams, but the discipline and like the actual, I think you guys talked about it a little bit on one of these other ones, but like, coach's ability to to sort of play up right now with the talent pool, just given they're still rebuilding is is incredible. And he's always been great at that. And I think we had very talented teams, but they were guys who just knew how to win and work. And like Ramel Meekins is there now on the staff, right? Like that's a, that guy, he was an undersized nose guard and was a beast, right? And uh, so it's guys like that. So I think Kenny Brett's probably, or AD was, you know Anthony Davis, probably the two most talented people That we had. I mean, Lenny was also a freak. Um, I mean, the list just goes on, right? I mean, you had Cam on the D line, like Eric Foster, again, like another guy who was undersized and just an absolute student of the game. And uh, I mean, Tom Savage was also a very talented dude. Um, But Kenny, in my mind, stands out because, like, he, I remember when we got him, I mean, another guy that, like, his sophomore year, I think, could have went and played in the NFL. Um, Yeah. Was just you could throw the ball within like 30 yards of Kenny and he would catch it somehow.
1: Uh, I remember some crazy story about him, his first training camp. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of these details, but it was like one of the first practices you guys had. And it was like everybody was gassed, but he's like just doing backflips and like ready to keep going. Like, is that, does that that sound right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. So, yes, you're exactly correct. You're exactly right. Um, and he had some eligibility thing too. So, like, he wasn't even practicing at the time. Uh, but, and Malice will hate me for saying the story, which is why I'm going to say it, <laughs> uh, just to, but he's in the weight room and like Kev was like, uh, uh, just a, one of the hardest workers around again, and like another guy that wasn't six, five, whatever you're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, or not, maybe not as a middle linebacker, but he wasn't the prototypical, like just chiseled at a rock immediately. Like the guy worked hard to, to do what he was able to do. Um, again, another great player. Uh, but he's in the weight room, like cleaning. And I used to try to lift the linebackers and stuff and, we're sitting there and I don't remember what the amount was, but he he's up to like his personal best and he's everybody's around him going nuts, like typical meathead stuff. And <laughs> he, he gets it done. He, he gets the clean done. He, he squats it up and he goes nuts. And Kenny's standing there. And I, I see him just like shuffling through the crowd. He goes, I don't get what's so hard about this. And he's like <laughs> trying to rile Kev up. And I think Kevin like smacked him around in a practice. So he's trying to get him back and he walks over to the bar, like blank face, no warm up staring at kev and just cleans it and drops it jesus and it was it was his freshman year it was the craziest like that's just who he was like the guy was just a freak like here's kev worked however many years to be able to do that and this dude just walked up and like cleaned it laughed at him and walked away like it was it could have been anyone like
1: it was and it was a big number like it was. he was just a freak I remember the only time I ran in, because I I went to Rutgers, I graduated in 2011, but the only time I ran into Kenny Britt on campus is at the Cook Campus Dining Hall. He comes in, you hear something coming from the one long entrance by where the the takeout is. And sure enough, it's Kenny Britt with his shirt off, just like wandering through, like he owns the place, because he basically did. But I will never forget that, because I knew who everybody basically wasn't when i was there and i was like oh my god that's fucking kenny burrett <laughs> yeah
0: uh, the guy was uh, he was hard to miss if he was around he was, he was yeah. a fun guy to be around too and then again like one of these guys that just if you wanted to throw after practice like even the year i was ineligible like he he would stay after and throw right he'd be like hey you want to throw like he just didn't care um, that's awesome he just love the game and people his football intelligence was also unmatched like his route running like i mean that's why he was so as good as he was
2: yeah, so, and he so stuck cool. around the league for a while yeah. So, so going like a couple years yeah. down the line, uh, Sanu obviously played quite a bit of quarterback when you were there. Who's the better quarterback? You were Sanu. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. uh, Mo could throw. Uh, he had like just one of those natural strokes. Like he, there's some people that can just, you know, pick a ball up any ball and just throw it um, like mechanically. And so like, he just, again, one of these people has like amazing body control and can just do stuff. And so uh Better quarterback, I, I'm gonna have to go with myself there. Uh, I still have the confidence. Uh, but you know, I don't, he, out throwing or who could throw further, we it, it would have been worth we would have had to throw because he could launch a ball.
2: What, what about uh, DC Jefferson? Apparently, he had a cannon at one point.
0: Oh, yeah, but I mean, that he was like you know, 6'6, 250 pounds, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I
2: mean, but yes, he had a cannon. So, so like going back to 2009, there's this big a love affair with the fan base and DeAntoine Williams. Was he really that good? Should he have gotten more playing time? Um, and, and have you heard about the uh, the Rocket, the Legend
0: of the Rocket? So the Legend of the Rocket, less so. Uh, I don't know exactly. out. it's like the backup quarterback, right? Like everybody, everybody loves the backup quarterback. They're always better. Um, the grass is always kind of greener if things aren't going perfectly. And so the answer is, I don't know. Um, I think he was a great player. Uh, I think we had a lot of great players. I think Cordell and those guys, like there was, there was a lot of talent on that team too. Mm-hmm. And
2: then I mean, you guys Jordan time. Brooks too, right? I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. Jordan. And they were all different styles too, right? Like, um, Cordell was could, could catch. Cordell was a little bit shifty or smaller. He had a few injuries. Um, you know, Brock was younger. Uh, Jordan was a bigger guy. Like, so they all – and we had Martinick, too. Um, oh, yeah. Who brought other stuff to the table, right? So, like, that was a deep, you know, that was a, a legitimate Big East uh, backfield.
1: Was he uh... – I think we started him off at safety, right? And then quickly realized this guy's a running back through and through. Like we who brought him that? in as Joe. Yeah, Jersey Joe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he, I don't know who counts them, but he had, he, you know, he has the claim of like the most rushing touchdowns in New Jersey high school football history or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's been broken since I don't know. But yeah, he definitely, I think he came in on defense and uh, to his credit, I, you know, probably should have been in the backfield, but, uh, Again, when you looked at it, it was like we probably need more help there than we did in the the backfield because Kidlehan also played safety with him, who you know made the legendary move to baseball.
1: The only yeah, person in the Big East
0: to ever win the Golden Bat Award is like the craziest thing ever.
1: And he's still kicking around the the majors. I think he got called up this year yeah. at some point.
0: By the way, like Todd Frazier, who played biggie's baseball too, was like one of the best yeah you know, hitters around. Like for Kiv, Kiv used to tell us he played baseball, and I used to. I mean, I played baseball too, very competitively, and like. I never believed him, um, and we would give him shit for it, but he, uh, sure enough, I guess he could play baseball.
1: It's it's amazing how some people can, like, flip a switch and immediately, like, just focus all their energy towards something and be so successful like he did. That was incredible.
0: Yeah, and they let him on a team to, like, pinch run. It's yeah. Crazy story.
1: Yeah. And it's funny seeing him in the uniform because he's still in, like, yoked-up football shape, so he's, like, <laughs> bursting out of this thing, yeah. and he's just crushing yeah, yeah. the Big East at the time. That was – Yeah. Um, so what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Which side you, you got Rutgers or Michigan <sighs> State?
2: This is a Rutgers podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm with you. Um, uh, it's tough. Cause like, you know, I've got my one little sister's like a Michigan State fan, even though she went to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole, it just depends uh-huh. on where they, what they, they grabbed onto. Uh, no, I look, I think, um, coach Turner or had more to, uh, build on there i think and so the turnaround's been quicker like when you watch those guys they play complete games this year mm-hmm. um, i have caught a couple um i think we've seen flashes of that out of the the ruckers crew um ironically they'll both be chopping i don't know if you guys have seen like the, uh, uh, yeah richie is straight. actually the
1: guy who asked shiano at the press conference about yeah, I'm, that i'm the guy that pisses oh, off at okay. the
0: press conference awesome yeah it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, gotta make it somewhere um Yeah. So my buddy actually just sent me the, his like the the tweet from Michigan state, uh, like the official Spartan football one. It was like, Oh, we're going to chop up as we get them. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But uh, no, look, I think it's going to be a really good game. Like it's always, like you said, back all the way to Oh four. I mean, it's a, for one reason or another, it's a game that's always close, always played hard. Uh, I think coming out of this Ohio state sort of, uh, you know, tough game, these guys will be, sort of ramp to get back up. I think they will look at it, you know, you can say all you want that you, you walk into Ohio state thinking or have Ohio state come to town thinking you're going to, uh, you know, go compete and play. It's a tough endeavor. Um, I mean, to their credit, they went played real hard against Michigan. I, I watched that whole game and I thought, you know, even in the second half, those guys were gassed and we weren't, um, which was yeah. pretty incredible. Um, so no, look, I think uh, it's going to be a very close game. I don't, I couldn't tell you which way it's going to fall.
1: Fair. Very diplomatic of you. If you're going to force uh, me to maybe. Yeah. There <laughs> you. <laughs> so you got anything you'd like to, to plug before uh, we let you go, Tom?
0: No, I, I just do a bunch of boring stuff these days. So I, I appreciate that. that uh, just move some numbers around. Plug. Yeah, exactly. I'm in <laughs> Excel spreadsheets doing nothing, nothing. I got a lot less cool these days.
1: Well, I'm we fine, appreciate really. your time, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. coming on. Uh, Taking time out of the middle of your day, it looks like, to, to come record with us. So re- really appreciate that, and uh, you've been a great guest. So, yeah, look, this
0: was fun. I appreciate you guys. I got a kick out of it when you reached out. Uh, <laughs> it's obviously tough, cause something I like. I said I don't watch a ton of games, but I'll be tuned in on Saturday. So. Cool. Uh, and, and root for a Rutgers one, just for the record here. Ooh, so get too awesome. shit if anybody's listening to this.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're on the right side of the rooting interest, at least. Uh, yeah, maybe you get, get your sister on the right side. Yeah, but... <laughs> well, yeah that, I don't know about that. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, man. All right, Dom. See ya. Yeah, no problem. See ya. Well, All right,
2: that worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, thanks again to Dom. He was a great guest. Uh super articulate dude. Not that I didn't expect that, but uh I
2: thought he'd be more of a football guy.
1: Yeah, no, he's no Sounds Yeah, he sounds like he really knows his shit though. Um yeah. yeah. I mean So we didn't really get into like a preview of Michigan State earlier. Um I kind of like this turnaround that we're doing now. I kind of like the new lineup. I do. We maybe we should stick with this moving forward. Um Why not? So I think Michigan State, if you guys have seen the the Nebraska game they played in Nebraska kind of laid out the, the blueprint for beating them because um, Michigan State has a fantastic running back he's not really his name's Kenneth Walker he's got an 83.8 PFF grade he's number 15 overall running I mean, back according in the to PFF leading rusher in the nation he's not really a special athlete but he's like a great college running back He's not really a factor in the passing game. But he's like the engine of their offense. If we can contain him, sort of like Nebraska did, they held him to 19 carries for 62 yards. Their offense is going to be in trouble because Peyton Thorne, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a guy that you can build an offense around right now.
2: I, I'm like indifferent because Peyton Thorne's numbers are like through the roof right now.
1: He's really good, but if you look at where he's putting his stats up, it's against mostly the weaker opponents
2: on their schedule. Yeah, like Western um, Kentucky. Uh, but eh, Miami had a pretty good game.
1: He did have a good game against Miami. And that's not me I saying what I would
2: love to have Peyton Thorne as our quarterback.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. But I don't think he's a world beater by any means.
2: No, I think it's more of his weapons. Like Jalen Naylor is really nice. And Jaden Reed, their number one receiver, is phenomenal. And yep. on the flip side, like, like I said before, I do think he plays at the end of the day. But if you don't have Bo Melton, that's going to – this offense can't afford to have that – as good as his Rutgers defense is, this offense can't afford to let that defense play 75% of the game. Yeah, absolutely it's gonna, it's gonna tire them out and that's that's like the big factor I would say right now uh this offense has to do something this Rutgers offense has to do something to get it going and even if they're on the field they just have to score actually at this point they're not scoring against like anyone really I mean yeah Delaware and Temple yep. or whatever but like they didn't score that much against Syracuse I think the last touchdown came super late and that was like a not garbage time but like
1: that was the Monagai. touchdown. not that
2: was oh, that was yeah. uh, no it haskins. was
1: the uh haskins yep
2: yeah, the Haskins touchdown. I mean, putting up 17 on a Syracuse team that's not very good is a little concerning, too. Um, it is, for sure. Yeah, especially um, because then they, they just got destroyed by Florida State, who's also god-awful. Well, not destroyed. they was actually 33-30. Yeah, yeah I
1: think they, they ended up losing on, like, a field goal as time expired at Florida State, which is pretty impressive, honestly. I mean, Florida State's clearly having a really down year, but –
2: well, I, I think this is going to be the same. It's, it's tough because Rutgers plays a ton of nickel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can afford to do that against a guy like Kenneth Walker.
1: Yeah, you kind of have to pick your poison, right? They got to either decide that they're going to stop the running game and make them beat him through the air or get beat by the running game, which is probably not
2: ideal. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. I mean, especially after last week, you saw them basically, Ohio State just run the ball at will. Yep. Now, I mean, you can't afford for that to happen. They're going to give Kenneth Walker – He's probably going to get his 80 yards at, at the minimum. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of just sacrifice that. You just hope they're not big yardage plays, kind of like the Trayvon Henderson thing last week. Um, you yes. can't afford to go down early because if that's the case, you go down early, they're just going to run it and just run out the clock at that point.
1: Yep. We need this to be an ugly game. Yeah. But we need kind of every game to be an ugly game with the yeah. offense the way it is right now. So Yeah,
2: it, it is a struggle for this offense. Uh, Ray, we didn't talk about it before. Rayquan O'Neal is not even 100%. Even though he hasn't started, he's still playing like 40 snaps or more a game, which is weird. They're still yep. playing tackle roulette. Haven't figured that one out. Reggie Sutton's gone. Troy Rainey looked pretty bad uh, against Ohio State nonetheless, but they they got to do something. I don't know if it's just keep mixing and matching these linemen and try to figure out still or – I can't
1: remember ever seeing something like this. Like not due to injuries, just like trying
2: new combinations of offensive linemen every week. Can you remember anything like this? Uh, not that I can think of. It's kind. Of, it's so odd to see. Number one and number two. Like the biggest thing with offensive linemen is you want these guys to gel and yeah, like getting a gel when you're moving Bordner from left to right and then putting in Pierce at one on one series and then putting in O'Neill on another series. It's like. It does seem like Bordner's the best of the three because no matter what, he's kind of playing. But overall, it's just, it's very odd to see. I mean, I know Allrich did it a little bit at uh, Princeton, like he did, like uh, just having a cut, like having those seven linemen that you could rotate in and out when guys got tired, which is whatever. Mm-hmm. I kind of get it from that perspective. But it truly sounds and seems like they don't have like their tackles set at all whatsoever.
1: Yeah, which is kind of strange because in interior guys, it's a little easier, I think, to adapt to a new person. But yeah. having your tackles being in flux constantly seems like a nightmare.
2: Yeah, it's it's super concerning. And then I thought a guy like Brian Felter would be a starter this year, and he's going yeah, to be found. he's barely playing. It's very weird because they like have him at guard, but I don't think he's a guard. I think he's a center, And they but they like Zolinskis at center, supposedly. I don't know if it's more of Greg just preferring his guys, like guys he's recruited because I technically felt her was part of the class already when he signed on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's something like that. And maybe that's why he wants like a guy like Pierce and Rainey out there and Uh center. You kind of, I don't think you can move Krimmon at all. He hasn't done great. He hasn't done horrible. He's, he's had his ups and downs, but the offensive line, has got it. They got to pull it together. It, it's when they not, when they're not playing uh, good, they're going to go against Jacob Panasuk this weekend. Who's one of the best defensive linemen in the conference. It it could get ugly, like, quick.
1: Yeah, their defensive front is definitely their strength on defense. They lead the Big East or the Big Ten in sacks. Like, if you look at the PFF ratings of their defensive linemen, it's not pretty. They have, like, three or four guys on the in terms of edge rushers in the top, like, 150. They've got a really good interior lineman. I think his last name's Blake. Um, But their secondary isn't strong. Like, they're allowing, I think – 60 like a 65 percent completion percentage to all their opponents like they're giving up a lot of completions which is bodes well for us because we kind of like thousand little paper cut offense so if we can force these guys to stay on the field and keep getting completions regardless of the depth like that's we just need like some co like some kind of movement and cohesion on offense that we didn't see at all last week and honestly it didn't I mean didn't look good for Syracuse like you were saying like you can't really judge us for our offensive performances versus Temple and and Delaware. So I think this is a lot of people said this is the the biggest game on the schedule. I think it kind of is in a lot of ways because this this will give us an idea of where we sit against the middle of the pack teams in the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do think they're overrated. Michigan State at number eleven. I don't think that's going to stand much longer because they. I guess it's not. It's going to stand because their schedule kind of sucks. Yep. But uh, they don't play a re- like another good team until Michigan in like two three weeks. I think it is. Yep. Yeah. So I mean you, you talked about the edge guys. The edge guys are really good, and that could cause so much havoc as we saw last weekend. And it's going to cause Vedro to throw the ball somewhere he's not supposed to, and thus the three picks last weekend. Um, if they do that, it's probably game over pretty quick. But the D yep. aren't the best, but they do have Xavier Henderson, who's probably one of the better safeties in the conference. Um I'm trying to look at his numbers now. He
1: he's only given up
2: like I want to say what does it say out of five targets it's five receptions for only 19 yards though so i mean it's tough to judge a safety based off that but i, I don't know i'm indifferent on this game i'm not like super super confident based on i'm not especially, either especially based on last week's game that kind of like lost all type of morale that the team had in my opinion
1: yeah, I'm not around the team like you are, but I can imagine
2: that spirits are a little low right now. I, I shouldn't say morale. Uh, more momentum. They had that momentum going into Ohio State. And if they play, played competitive again, it would have been keep going, keep going. All right, we're, maybe we're one of the better teams, they would say. But I, I'm not confident anymore. And then if you don't pressure on the flip side, you don't pressure Peyton he can. He's a great decision maker. He really can yep. pick you apart, especially for an yeah. offensive defense that misses their top cornerback still probably.
1: Yeah, and, and the Michigan State offensive line isn't great. I'd say it's average for the Big Ten. I think Rutgers needs to get back to what they were doing earlier in the season. And I can go to preface this by saying it's easier said than done. But they need to be a team that gets splash plays on special teams. They need to be a team that forces turnovers and sacks, which we haven't really done the last two weeks. Like Michigan, I feel like, was pretty fluky the way we were able to stay in that game, that Michigan didn't change their game plan after running the ball didn't work against us for like, three quarters of the game. Yeah. Um so I think we really just need to force some turnovers. And that's the only way we're going to stay in this game. And given we're facing a quarterback that is a good decision maker, I don't know how confident I am that we're actually going to force any.
2: Yeah. I, I going back to Michigan real quick. I, I think Michigan's just afraid to let k McNamara throw the ball pretty much. Yeah. That's why it was such a close game. On top of that, like I said before, the run game kind of makes it so unless they're really running it down your throat, if you can stop that run, it's pretty much gonna be a close game for anyone versus Michigan but yeah this Michigan State team between the run game they have um, the quarterback who kind of pick you apart here and there they have weapons too like I said Jalen Naylor is really good Uh, Jaden Reed's really good he's he went to high school at Peyton Thorne so they already have that chemistry Um, great returner too yeah he's yeah so I was gonna say he's one of the best returners in the conference if not nation this is gonna be probably the I think someone said it on ESPN or something. It's like the return man game of this year or something between. Oh, yeah. and yeah. So it's good. You can't punt him, And you would think that a team like Rutgers would know that. So ideally you don't kick it to him specifically for the sole fact that you have a guy like Krupshank who that could do the same exact thing, keep it away from him in terms of punts and kick returns. But I don't know. I'm just not like, I don't like this game.
1: I don't either. Uh, I've heard a lot of people predict Rutgers to win, and we can kind of segue this into our around the Big Ten predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not feeling great about it. but that'll be my uh, <laughs> that'll be my uh, illusion there. Um, some pretty big games in the Big Ten this week. Actually, uh, yeah. the first game is Maryland at Ohio, number seven Ohio State. Ohio State's a twenty and a half point favorite here. Given the way Maryland looked last week against Iowa, I don't see. And plus they lost Dante Dimas, who's their best receiver. Yep. I don't see a route for them to stay competitive. I think Ohio State covers this.
2: Uh, yeah, I think um, after watching Ohio State basically figure it out for the first time all season last weekend against Rutgers. And then on top of that, Maryland getting trashed by uh, Iowa. Losing your top receivers not helping. Rakeem Jarrett's a pretty good number two for them, but Talia is going to have some struggles this weekend versus an Ohio State defense that kind of looks pretty good you know,
1: yeah, they they look really good. Uh, the next game is Wisconsin at Illinois. Illinois is a 10 and a half point home dog. Um, this would be a I'm not going to bet on this game. I don't bet on many college games. This would be a stay away for me. I don't think Wisconsin's that good, but Illinois is really bad. So I think Wisconsin wins. I don't know if they'll cover 10 and a half though.
2: Yeah, this is um, this is ugly. Um, <laughs> I said it I think I said it on our first episode of the podcast Grand Marriage is overrated. Very, very yeah. overrated. Um, this team, this was PFF
1: has him as one of the ten worst FBS starting quarterbacks. Just,
2: that's a heads up. Yeah, I mean it's and considering he got that giant NIL deal right before the season, it's kind of crazy. Yep. But uh, yeah, I I don't. This is a big time stay away game. Um, I did not expect Isaac Williams to be their top receiver for Illinois, which is kind of telling you where they're at this point when their former quarterback's their top receiver.
1: Yeah, that was strange to see that.
2: Yeah, I mean they're they're not a bad team. I actually kind of like the plus 11 or plus uh, 10 and a half. It's at plus 11 right now on ESPN, but okay, I, I kind of like that. Like, I don't mind that. It's an Illinois home game. Like maybe they get like a decent fan turnout and they kind of get a little momentum off of that. It's Either way, ugly, ugly game. So I don't.
1: Wisconsin also might just be like totally deflated at this point. Like they were, there was like, you were saying you were really high on them coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Like you felt that they had an outside shot at one in the big 10 I think a lot of people thought that they probably thought that themselves. And mm-hmm. to be, I think they're two and three right now.
2: Uh, one and three. Like
1: one and three. Yeah, you, you, yeah. As a team, like you had these aspirations possibly to have a national championship appearance, not like that was actually going to happen, but that was like yeah. what you're thinking internally. And when you start one and three, I can't imagine that you have much more like will to continue on the season.
2: Yeah. But I mean, they're so. having the same problem. They're all, well, Graham so I just read, is questionable for the game. So that doesn't help um they they haven't scored at all they scored 10 points against penn state 13 against notre dame and 17 against michigan it's not a it's not a good offense at all for a team that has a guy like jalen berger back there who they don't really use at all for some reason
1: yeah strange right it seemed like he was gonna have a breakout season but haven't really yeah, heard much from a him lot this hype year. behind him
2: and now nothing
1: the biggest game of the Big Ten this week is top five matchup. Uh, number four, Penn State's traveling to Kinnick, playing at number three, Iowa. Iowa's a point-and-a-half favorite here. Penn State and Iowa have had a history of some really exciting big-time games. This is just another one in the long history of that. I think was going to win this one. Um, I don't love either team in the spot. I just think that – the home field advantage is going to win out this, this, in this game. I know you're a big Penn state believer on, especially on defense. What I, do you think? I
2: hate to say it. Yeah. Their defense is so damn good. Um, Iowa's defense is pretty good too. This is an intriguing one. I don't understand what the Big is thinking what a big 10 is thinking and making this a 4 p.m. Game. Like, why would you not put this? Late I the
1: same thing. I don't know why Nebraska,
2: Michigan's the night game. Such a but. dumb idea, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe because Nebraska has a ton of fans and it'll be a rowdy atmosphere, but this one would be just as crazy. I think. I, I don't know. Um, this Penn State team has been really good. Their defensive backs are phenomenal. Their linebacker core is extremely good. They're going to have a top 10 pick probably in Brandon Smith. Um, I think all three of their starting cor- – or two of their starting corners are probably going to get drafted eventually, if not this year. Jahan Dotson has been incredible. I hate to hype up Penn State on the yeah. podcast, but they're just a very, very good team. I think they create some havoc for Spencer Petras, and it's going to be tough for him to uh, – to get much going against his defense um i i'm gonna probably go penn state plus one and a half
1: okay i think it's it's as close to a toss toss up as you can get i was just yeah. going with the home team because i think they're pretty evenly matched
2: um yeah. no most definitely it's a very good game i can't i'm actually very eager to watch this one
1: i do it'll be a good football game just to watch as a oh well, I, I don't like penn state but as somebody who has nothing to gain or lose in the game yeah, of course. um the next matchup before we get to the Rutgers game is number nine, Michigan at Nebraska. Nebraska is a three-and-a-half point home dog. I'm going to go with the underdog here. I think Nebraska pulls this one off. I think Michigan, like we kind of alluded to, isn't as good as the number nine ranking. Nebraska has looked good in a lot of big spots this year. They just haven't been able to pull out that win. I think they finally pull out that win on Saturday night in, in Lincoln for a crazy night crowd. I think Nebraska wins.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of – I 100% agree with you, actually. Uh, Adrian Martinez has been phenomenal this year in year four, year five, whatever it is for him. Uh, it seems like
1: he's been college forever. Right? I know.
2: He's actually been one of the better Big Ten quarterbacks in a conference that's – quarterback play has been struggling mightily. But uh, he's looked really good on the ground, too. He's got – leading the team in, with rushing yards and 400, nine touchdowns he's on the ground. He's
1: got nine – yeah, nine touchdowns on the ground.
2: Yeah, and then Ramir Johnson, New Jersey native, is also doing pretty well. Um, like you said, they've, they've had some really close games against uh, – Teams like uh Oklahoma and Michigan State and that they probably could, almost pulled off last week or two weeks ago against Michigan State in overtime. But yeah. And they should have yeah.
1: won that game. That was a, a yeah. they were winning by seven with like four minutes left and they were punting to to read, like I we know. alluded to. Yeah. Returns it for a, a touchdown, they throw an interception in overtime.
2: But they did beat like a very, very good Buffalo team. I yeah. kind I don't consider the Illinois game that much because it's such a fluke and you don't really it's the first game of the season, everyone got a whack, yep. but other than that, you've, you've competed against two very good teams in Michigan State, Oklahoma. You beat Buffalo pretty badly, who's pretty good this year. And then you just clobbered Northwestern, who's arguably the worst team in the conference. I, I, like, I like Nebraska here, plus three and a half at home too. I like it.
1: So the last game, the one you've probably all been waiting to hear our predictions for, number 11, Michigan State at Rutgers, Scarlet Knights. Uh, they're five and a half point underdogs at home. I – Was probably too high on Rutgers coming into last week. I'm probably too low on them right now. And I'm just prefacing that based on what I'm about to say. I don't see how Rutgers is going to stop all of the playmakers on Michigan State. We've kind of talked about how they're not that deep. They're also a very talented front five front four. I just don't think that they could both stop all their offensive players and stop Federal from getting pressured. I think Rutgers does not cover this number. I would go with Michigan State. Something like uh, 31 to 17.
2: Uh, I The more I think about it, like hearing your prediction and then reading the Rutgers' schedule so far of what they put up, I think I might have went a little too high on their offense. I don't see – like I agree with you. I don't see a way that they stop this defense. This is not the same Michigan State team from last year. They had 13 poor old guys. Uh, Join the team this offseason. They're very good. They're very talented when it comes to running the ball. On top of that, Peyton Thorne's been very, very good on with not turning the ball over. He's had 11 touchdowns, one interception, over 1,100 yards. Um, I just don't think this Rutgers offense has enough to make this even a game. I, I have right now, I I got uh, Michigan State 32 uh, 17.
1: Oh wow, so we were pretty close and we, yeah, we don't share we don't share these numbers at all. So my,
2: my original like thought I was thinking when I was typing it up yesterday because we have it for the War Room every week. I was typing it up, it was like 35, 21, 24. And I'm like, wait a second, this is this team hasn't scored that much, like at all. Yep. And this is a decent Michigan State defense. So I just I can't see it happening again. Um they only scored 13 last week because garbage time.
1: So we both don't think they're gonna win, we both don't think they're gonna cover. Tell me a story about how Rutgers would pull this off. What kind of game script do they need? What kind of scenario do they need to play out for them to to win outside of a catastrophic injury from Thorne or or Walker early in the game?
2: I mean, obviously you stop the run game right away, and that's going to give you a chance. Um, You kind of mentioned it before. Peyton Thorne's not the best quarterback in the world, but he's been pretty accurate. He's been smart with the ball. Um, I, I do think if you're Rutgers, you need something out of the special teams unit. I know we say this every week. But this offense is just nowhere near good enough to – I don't even know if they're good enough to compete against, like, the middle tier of the Big Ten this year. This offense has been putrid at best. Um, I hate to use the word, and I hate to throw some shade at Gleason, but it's it's been really awful. And I, I think the biggest factor in that is the offensive line. And then on top of that, the running game hasn't been able to get it going, really, at all. Pacheco's yeah. been struggling nonstop. He's got 260 yards and 70-plus carries. Like, that's – that's really bad, but it's
1: yeah, outside of that Michigan game. Yeah,
2: I can't well, yeah, remember it the really flashing. Michigan, it's like, what the hell is going on? Um I I don't know. I just can't see if Rutgers wants a chance at winning, they're gonna have to probably get a little tricky. And um you're probably gonna have to hold that run game to like little to nothing all day long, which is gonna be very tough if your defense is gonna be on the field for most of the game. I
1: agree, and I hate to send us off on a somber note, but I do think this is a winnable game for Rutgers, but they're going to need a lot to break their way. Uh, they're going to need some lucky bounces, probably. And when I say lucky bounces, I mean like a fumble recovery or two or an interception or two. I don't think this is a, an Ohio State type matchup for us. I think it's just a very difficult matchup given all the things, all the strengths on Michigan State we have to stop in order to win.
2: No, it, it's hundred percent winnable. It's just, it's, it's going to take a lot and it's going to take, Probably Rutgers' best game yet this season, especially on the offensive side.
1: For sure. So. All right, guys. Well, that does it for episode three of the Night Report podcast. I want to thank Dom Natalia for coming on. Richie, thanks for coming on, and we will see you guys next week.
2: Yep, yeah, no problem. Thanks, for, thanks for getting this uh, getting this done, like, and uh, we had a couple of good chats today.
1: For sure.